Amen and amen. Well, we're going to continue on in 1 John. We're going to be in chapter 4. This is kind of interesting. I, I've been kind of struggling with this in the sense that talks about, well, the, the theme actually for this is because he first loved. We love because he first loved us. And in Matthew chapter 22, it says, love the Lord with all your, or love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and your neighbors yourself. And this thing about love and loving, it's going to continue to talk about loving one another, dwelling with each other, unity, talking about really caring about each other. If we really care for each other, we'll love each other. We'll abide in Christ and Christ will abide in us. And to be quite honest with you, I've, in my 69 years, I'm finding it a little bit easier to love everybody, but not necessarily like. Anybody attest to that? You know, we learn to love the Lord because he first loved us. But the other side of the coin is that, you know, we're supposed to like them too, at least a little bit. We just, we, we don't like the things that they do. Sometimes, to be honest, I, I love myself a little bit, but I don't like the things that I do. And sometimes I love myself a lot and I still do the things that I probably shouldn't do. So it's pretty interesting. We're going to be, again, in 1 John 4, we're going to be looking at 13 to 21. But the overall theme of 1 John is love. It's love of the Father and the relationship between God the Father and man. The Father is so concerned about you and me that he devotes numerous uh, scriptures, numerous chapters and books about how much he loves us and why he loves us. If we go back just for a minute to verses 7 through 12, um, they're about knowing God through love. And in verse 7, it says to love one another. Sometimes that's hard. Like I said before, I'm finding it a little bit easier as I get older. But sometimes it's really hard to love one another. In verse 8, it says God is love. That in itself is a mind blower. God is love. Love is perfect. God is perfect. And the thing that struck me is that if I'm supposed to be a Christian, I'm supposed to be God-like, I'm supposed to imitate God, I'm supposed to try to have the same mindset, the same reactions, the same feelings, the same love and care as he has for all of us, even in this room tonight or watching online. And it's a struggle. It is a struggle. Now, I don't get, I don't, don't get all discouraged because it's going to get better as it goes on. It's going to get better because there's an answer to this, this uh, dilemma that I keep talking about, or the struggles that I keep talking about. In verse 9, it says, the love of God was manifested in us or made known through the sending of his Son that we might live. So there's a glimmer of hope. The love that he has for us was manifested by the sending of his only son. In verse 10, he says, he loved us and he sent his son to be a propitiation for us, a sacrifice for a debt that we could not pay. Verse 11, it says, if God so loved us, we ought to love him. We ought to, ought to love him. And we ought to love one another. To me, that tells me there's a struggle there. We ought to. doesn't say that we will, we should, we could, we would. It says we ought to. We ought to want to love one another. We ought to want to care about each other. We ought to want to love up on each other. We ought to want to come to the aid of somebody when they're struggling. We ought to want to come to next to somebody who is rejoicing in something that's going on in their life. But I'm just wondering if we do that. Do we demonstrate that love that Christ loves us with? Do we demonstrate that? 
In verse 11, it says, if God so loved us, we ought, ought again. We ought to love him and we ought to love one another. Verse 12, no one has seen God at time. If we love one another, here we go again. If we love one another. And the answer is, we love because he first loved us. We can. We can love each other. We can care about each other. The question is, do we? Do we really want to? If we love one another, God abides in us. Abides, connected, lives with, entwined together. Abides with us. And his love is perfected in us. And now because of all we have just gone through, we're going to pick it up in verse 13. Verse 13, let's read. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to go ahead and read 13 to 21. Then we're going to come back and kind of look at it a little bit closer. So kind of bear with me. Verse 13, 1 John 4. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. Verse 14. We have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Verse 15, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God abides in him. Love that. And he in God. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. By this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in the world. Verse 18. Therefore, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment and the one who fears is not perfected in love. Verse 19, the theme for 1 John, we love because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God from whom he has not seen. Verse 21. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. And all of God's children said, amen. Amen. So verse 13, it says, by this. And it's going to say by this quite a few different times. And it refers back to what we have just been talking about since I started up here. By this, by what? All the things that we have already read about. The love that we have been shown, we are now putting on display, if you will, as the true love of Christ and manifested or made known through our lives. Our testimonies, the way we portray ourselves, the way we interact with people, the way we treat other people, the love, the care that we have for other people. I want to go back to chapter 3, verses 16 to 24. And it says, we know love by this. Here we go with the by this, that he laid down his life for us and we ought. There's ought again. We ought to lay down our lives for who? For the brethren, for our brothers and sisters in Christ. We should lay our lives down for them. Verse 17, but whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, closes his heart against him. How does the love of God abide in him? Verse 18, little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and in truth. We will know by this, again, by this, the things that we had just talked about, that we are of the truth and will assure our heart before him in whatever our heart condemns us 
For God is greater than our heart, and he knows all things. find that both I find that both for lack of a better term excuse me I'm, I'm on the fly here but I find that both warm and fuzzy and troubling at the same time on the good side the love of God abides in us and let us not love with word, with word or with a tongue, but indeed, lip service. I think a lot of us, including we're good at lip service. How many times have you said, "Oh, I love you," but it was just a word that you threw out. It's just a word that we just kind of throw out in the air, and it's like all warm and fuzzy. But there's no substance behind it. There's no real even, I'll use this word, truth behind it. Really, you know, the truth is you probably could care two cents. But we throw that word out because it's complimentary. It's warm and fuzzy and it makes you feel good and it makes them feel good. And whatever our hearts condemn us, for God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our hearts does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. Verse 23, this is his commandments, that we believe in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us to do. Verse 24, the one who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him. We know by this, here we go, that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given, the Holy Spirit that he has given us. When we go back to verse 16, we know that by this he laid down his life. In John 15, 13, it says, No greater love has one who has done this, that he's laid down his life for his brother or for his friends. Can we say that? Can we say that we're willing to lay down our lives? Can we say that God abides in us and we're willing to go the extra mile or even as we taught in the men's uh, conference, the living sacrifice part of it in Romans 12, 1 and 2, are we willing to really go the extra mile and really care? God went the extra mile. He sent his son. He sent him all the way to the cross. That's how much he loved you and me. That's how much he cared about you and me. That's, that's true love. That's love perfected or perfect love. In verse 14, it says that we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world, to bear witness. I look out there and you, we can bear witness that God has done a work in your life. We can testify of the things that God has done. He's transformed us. He is in the process of making us new and transformed into something glorious and beautiful. We are new creation in Christ. The old man and the old woman are gone because we have now have a faith and a trust in the one that abides, the one that loves, the one that truly loves us and truly cares for us. John has seen and he can testify that the Lord is good. We can testify that the Lord is good and working in the lives of his children. We all have a past. We all have those BC days. And at some point in time, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have submitted. You have said, okay, I'm, I'm done. I'm at the end of myself. The only place I can go is to you. I want this love. I want this unconditional love. I want to be transformed into something useful for you. See, in our BC days, we want to be transformed into something useful for ourselves, what we could gain, what we could 
take away, not what we could give. When we abide in the Lord and have that love, we want to give it. We want to give that same love. We want other people to experience the love of God. We want other people to have that tight-knit relationship to abide in each other, to really and truly care about each other. We can testify that we have overcome the world by the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells deep inside each and every one of us as a believer. I like to read what J. Vernon McGee wrote in his study on the first John. He writes this, this is the gospel witness. This is the message which we have to give. This is the purpose of our love. I wish I could speak like him. I, I'm not even gonna attempt it, forgive me. Got sidetracked there for a minute. A little, little butterfly went by. This is the purpose of our love. Again, I must come back and repeat. Christian love is not sloppy or sentimental. It is not sexual. It is not social. It is not something that you have at a church banquet. It is something which reveals itself. When we take Christ to a lost world of sinners, that is the way we manifest our love. That is the truth of our testimony. I think of the evangelism team as they go to the Tyler Mall and the crossings and the library and just highways and byways and they minister and they, they proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Revealing the truth of Christ and the wanting and the hoping that other people would come and abide in Christ and experience, experience the love of God. People say that I love God. But have you, do you, have you really experienced the love of God? Have you had that? And I don't want to get, I don't want to get thinking it's an emotional thing because it's not necessarily an emotional thing, but it's an overwhelming power that God dwells in you. It gives us the ability to do things that you wouldn't normally do. It gives us the strength and the courage and the, and the boldness to say things that we would never say to anybody. Have you ever been talking to somebody and you go, where did that come from? Some scripture will come to mind or some advice or some, some a word of knowledge or a wisdom and discernment. All of a sudden, you're speaking it into somebody's life and you walk away and go, man, where did that come from? That's the love of God coming out through you, the experience of the love of God and walking and abiding in him. If you walk with somebody long enough, you're gonna to get to know them intimately and personally. If you hang out with them long enough, you get to know them, their traits, their characteristics, their mannerisms, the things that they say, the things that they do, how they carry themselves in difficult situations or how they celebrate when somebody else is celebrating and celebrate the proper way. The title over the next section, if you will, in uh, verse 15 or on, it says the consummation of love. Consummation is the point at which something is complete or finalized. When you think of a marriage, you get married, and that evening you consummate the marriage. As a Christian, our consummation of a relationship with Jesus starts at the moment that we ask Jesus to come into our hearts and the recognition of our need for him. That is the very start of our relationship with him. Do you have that? See, I, I, I can assume because you're here on a Wednesday night or you're watching on live stream, I can assume that, that you must be a believer in Jesus Christ. Why else, why would you watch it? But that makes us a fool to assume that. You may have just been here by accident. You may just come with a friend. You may be watching online just because you're going through YouTube or something. I don't know. But it's no accident that you're here tonight and you're hearing these particular things. I had to take this and eat it myself and live it myself and ask myself the very hard questions that I'm going to be asking you. 
And the answers are really only as honest as you can be with yourself because God already knows. You can fool yourself, but you can never fool God. Verse 15 says, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Can you say that? 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John chapter 2, 23 to 26 says, whoever denies the Son does not have the Father. The one who confesses the Son has the Father. Verse 24, as for you, let that abide in you, which you have heard from the beginning. If what you have heard from the beginning abides in you, you will also abide in the Son and in the Father. These are all important parts of understanding and experiencing the love of God and being able to love one another and really care. Verse 25, this is the promise which he made himself to us, eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. You got to remember in this time, Gnosticism, false teachers, they were trying to come in and corrupt. Well, I don't think that it's any different today so much as there are people trying to, trying to snatch away those uh, children of God. You can hear pastors and preachers all over the internet talking love and all this different things, but there's no substance behind it. There's greed and deceit, wickedness behind it. They're coming up with their own ideas on how you can get to heaven or how you can be a better person. We see that from a lot of different uh, preachers on TV. They're trying to drag you away. They're trying to drag you back. And don't think for a minute that, that they're not trying to get you back. See, when we're walking in the world, Satan's already got you. He's already got you by the throat. But the minute you take Jesus on as your personal Lord and Savior, all proverbial Sheol breaks loose. Can I say that? Because now he's angry. And he's going to come at you in any way that he can. And if we don't dwell and abide in Christ and have the love of God, he can snatch you away by deceit. He can deceive you. See, we're not perfected. The little things that sound good, I call them little pinwheels of life, man. Oh, that looks so good. Oh, that tastes so good. I like some of that. Those are little pinwheels of life that Satan wants to throw at us to deceive us. But if I'm abiding in Christ, truly abiding in Christ, and we're connected at the hip, and I'm walking with him, and I'm understanding what his love is and how I got his love, then I can take that love and give it away Amen. and sustain and continue to walk forward, moving forward in the love of Christ. We are in this world, but we're not of it any longer as a believer in Jesus Christ. We are now just passing through. Verse 17 says, by this love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Confidence in the day of judgment. The hope of salvation, the hope of eternal life with Jesus. By this, again it says, by this love is perfected. By what? That we believe the love which has God for us back in 16. God is love, the one who abides in us abides in God, and God abides in him. By this, by those things, love is perfected with us so that we may have the confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. We're walking in this world. Jesus came and walked in this world. He got a taste of it, but he was perfect in every way. If we're abiding in him and have that kind of love, we too can walk that way. Doesn't mean we don't stumble, doesn't mean we don't fall, but we get back up and we keep moving forward. We just don't lay there in the, in the wallow and, and uh, feel bad and sorry for ourselves. We pull ourselves up and we get going 
by the blood of the Lamb. Amen, church? Amen, church? Amen. Okay, I just want to make sure you're with me. Make sure you're with me. The love that builds confidence also banishes fear. We love God and reverence Him. We don't fear God. We reverence Him. We, we, we acknowledge who He is and we love up on Him for who He is and what He is and what He has done for us. We love because He first loved us. It's the only way that we can truly love is by understanding that He loves us. Fear involves torment and punishment, a reality we will never fear or experience because we are forgiven. We'll go through stuff in this world. We already know that. But when the judgment time comes, our salvation is secure because we have a relationship with the creator of the world. We have a relationship with God because God sent his son so that we could have that, that propitiation for us. We don't need to fear hell or death when we are bound, are tied, are connected to Jesus. Verse 18, there's no fear in love, but perfect fear casts, or perfect love casts out fear. Why? Because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. Wow. The one who fears is not protected in love. The one who does not show reverence to the Lord. You might even say to the non-believer, there's fear. Been at many bedsides of passing, people passing, believers and non-believers. And when you're at the bedside of a believer, it's a whole lot different because there's hope. There is no hope. There's fear, fear of death, fear of the unknown. We know what's going to happen because we're believers. The book tells us what's going to happen. God tells us through the power of his Holy Spirit what's going to happen. There's no fear. There's no fear in death. I don't have a death wish, but I have no fear in death. I know where my hope lies. Be absent from the bodies. Be present with the Lord. My last breath here is my first breath in heaven. Verse 19, again, the theme verse for our study through 1 John. We love because he first loved us. His love is the incentive, the motive, and the moral cause of ours. We cannot love, we cannot but love such a good God who first in the act and the work of love, who loved us when we were both unloving and unlovable, who loved us at such a great rate, who has been seeking and soliciting our love at the expense of the Son's blood and has desired us, has desired us to be reconciled to him. Romans 5.8 tells us, but God demonstrated his own, his own love towards us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, you, me. While I, was in a, while I was still a sinner, in my mother's womb I was conceived in sin until I became a believer in Jesus Christ, I was a sinner. I still sin, but I'm a forgiven sinner. He loves us that much. The divine love stamped upon our souls. May the Lord further direct our hearts into the love of God. 2 Thessalonians 3.5 in the New Living Translation says, May the Lord lead your hearts into a full understanding and expression of the love of, the love of God and the patient endurance that comes from Christ. I don't understand it. I don't understand why he would want to love me. I'm Sometimes I'm lovable. 
unloving, uncaring. But he loves us that much. I don't understand, but I believe. I don't understand why God would want me. I don't understand why God would send his son to die for me. I don't really need to understand it, but I believe. I believe by faith that this word's to be true. Verses 20 and 21. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Here we go, shifting back into the love, loving a brother. Again, that's tough. It's really tough sometimes to love somebody that's a knucklehead. But I think about God. I think about God. What if he didn't love me? What if he didn't love you? What if he just said, hey, you made your own bed, lay in it. You caused your own problems, deal with it. Where would B be? Where would B be? We'd be on the highway to hell. Hey, that's, we could write a song about that. I know we chuckle. I'm laughing. I think it's, you know. But it's true, right? Is it not true? We would be on the highway to hell. So, if I say I love God and I say I hate my brother, and I'll, be, I'll confess this to you, is that there was a time when I hated a bunch of people. There was a time when I didn't care. I could care less if you got ran over by a car. In fact, let me drive the car. But see, that's old behavior. That's old thought patterns. That's old ways of behaving and thinking and stinking thinking and all that. It's God that comes in. It's God's love, God's perfect love that now dwells inside of each and every one of us that gives us a different mindset, a different perspective on things. Amen. Remember I said that we were both unloving and unlovely? But he loved us in spite of ourselves. He cared enough in spite of ourselves. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen, we see them. We can't, we can't, I hate to say that we can't see God because I think we can see his attributes and his, and we can see him all around us in creation and, and just, you know, in our thoughts and we look at the body and all those different things. We see God. We can't see him like face to face, although one day we will see him face to face. And that's the hope there. That's the hope that I have, the hope that we should have. Verse 21 said, In this commandment we have from him that one who loves God should love his brother also. We should, even as I had said when we first started, we should love each other. We should love the unlovable. We were once the unlovable, at least in our own mindset, until God came along or until we allowed God to come along in our lives. It's amazing. I, I was just kind of thinking about, in my own mind, some of the things that had transpired along the way. I was sharing earlier with Alex, we were kind of talking in the office and just some of the things that happened in my life that I could look back now and go, man, God protected me. God protected me. 
God was there even when I was unlovable, uncaring, and couldn't give two cents about him. He was still there caring about. And that's the way it is for all of us. That's the way it is for everyone. He desires that none should perish. Even the unlovable, the stinkable, the rotten, he doesn't see them that way. And I think that that's one of the things that we need to learn to do is to see people in a different light. It's easy to look at somebody and say, oh, look at that guy, or look at that lady. The way she dresses, the way she behaves, the things that come out of her mouth. I got news for you. God loves her like he loves you. She needs Jesus just as much as you do. He needs Jesus just as much as you do. The last two verses summarize chapter 4. One cannot love God without first loving his fellow believer. A claim of love is a delusion if not accompanied by unselfish love for other Christians. Remember we talked about there's a lot of word, a lot of tongue, a lot of talking. So how is love displayed? Not only to the lovable, but also to the unlovable. I would say a couple things. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7, speaks about love and what love is. If you're going to abide in Christ and Christ is going to abide in you, and you understand that God is love, then these things should be, be displayed by each and every one of us. Patient, love is patient, love is kind, it's not jealous, love does not brag and is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly, does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Verse 8 says, love never fails. God's love never fails. I think that if we can try to walk in this 4 through 7 out of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, like I said in the beginning, in my 69 years, I'm finding it easier to, not perfectly, mind you, but easier to not be so un impatient. Especially, guys, if you're married. No, <laughs> I find it easier to be kind. It's a lot easier to be kind than it is to be nasty. I find it easier not to be so jealous anymore. I was a very jealous person. And it, it destroyed a lot of good relationships. But I've learned not to be jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. Sometimes that's a struggle, isn't it? We accomplish something and we want to brag about it. We want to be arrogant. It does not seek its own. It's not about us anymore. It's not about me anymore. It's not about you anymore. It's about others. It does not take into account wrong suffered. Or you might say some versions say long suffering does not rejoice in unrighteousness. That gets easier too, right, as a believer in Jesus Christ, because we want people to succeed. I think we want people to have that joy of the Lord, the joy that comes with abiding in him and accepting his love and giving his love back. 
we rejoice with the truth. One of my favorite verses is John 8, 31 and 32, and basically it says, the truth will set you free. I was a good liar. I believed my own lies. And now we rejoice in the truth. And sometimes I speak too much truth, and that gets me in trouble, but I'd rather deal with it that way than be a liar. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. These are great attributes, and love never fails. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 12 and 13 says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, don't we? We can't really see things completely. We get to see bits and pieces along the way. But then face to face, we will at some point be face to face and we will see things clearly. Because it says, but then I will know fully, just as I have been fully known but now faith, hope, love abide in these three. But the greatest of these is love. God's love. Not the love of the world. Not some sexual fantasy thing. The things that we talked about, the attributes in 1 Corinthians 13. These things are what love is really defined as. Yes, we love each other, but do you, can you be patient with each other? Can you be caring? Can you really give two cents about what the other person is feeling, what the other person's going through? Can, can you really get into that and come behind them and help them walk through it or rejoice when they're celebrating? We don't truly understand, but we will. When we're face to face with Jesus, his love will be undeniable. It'll be on complete display. We are to be Christ's light, so let's love the unlovable as much as the lovable. Jesus did. Amen? Amen. I want to give you, I want to close with one last display of love. It's out of Luke chapter 15. I'm going to paraphrase it so that we don't, we're just about out of time. But I'm going to paraphrase it for you. I think it shows a beautiful love of the Father for the Son. And I think it, it's a beautiful picture of how Jesus feels about us. And it's one of my favorite ever. It's called the prodigal son. You probably already know this. But one of the sons gets a wild hair, paraphrased, And he says, hey, Dad, I want my inheritance. I'm tired of hanging around, man. I want to split. I want to get out of Dodge, man. I want to hit the highway. I want to see what's on the other side of the flat world. Paraphrased. So there's a couple things right there. One is that he wants his inheritance before his dad even dies. So basically he's saying, uh, hey, Dad, I wish you were dead or... I just want my inheritance. I don't care about you. So his dad obliges, gives him his inheritance. A few days later, he hits the road, goes to the next town and finds a casino or finds a place to hang out, loses all of his money, spends all of his money, doesn't have uh, two shekels to rub together. And basically what happens is he comes to the end of himself and he finds himself in a pig pen eating the pods of the pig. He says, oh man, I've sinned against God and I've sinned against my father. Now I say that to say this, is is that not our story to some degree? We were running and gunning on our own. We were doing the things that we wanted to do. And God said, okay, hey, 
here, go. Go and go for it. So then, like I said, the kid comes to the end of himself and he decides, well, I'm going to go back home and plead the fifth and you know, beg for forgiveness and uh, I'll just be a hired hand on the, on the farm. I'll be happy with that. I'll be tickled pink. So he heads back and the father is watching. The father is waiting for his son. I find that interesting. Why was he waiting for his son? Did he know his son was going to come back? I don't know. But I'm sure he was hoping his son would come back. He missed his son, loved his son, wanted that relationship with him, wanted to be able to see him every day and break bread together at the table and work in the fields together and, you know, the father-son camaraderie and all that stuff. And so he's decides to come back home and the father sees him and it's interesting that the father ran. Now, that's a no-no in those days. Father, don't be running in your dress, baby. Gown, robe, whatever they call it. Forgive me. But anyone's supposed to be running. But he does. He runs to him. Welcomes him with open arms. Puts the ring on his finger, puts the robe on him, welcome home and meets him and greets him and loves up on him and gives him a big kiss on the cheek and he's so glad that he's home. I find that interesting because the side note is that a disobedient child could be taken to the gate and stoned. And I'm not talking stoned, I'm talking rocked, killed for being disobedient to his parents. But his dad let him go and run his own course. When he came to the end of himself, he came back. Give him the ring and welcome him with a kiss and put a robe on him. And then he throws a party. My son is home. My son is back. And I say all that to say this, that I see that as a picture of God for each and every one of us. We have gone out and we have run our own way. We have sowed our oats. We have done all this stuff and God is still waiting for you. Waiting for you to come back and he's ready to put the ring on your finger and he's ready to put the robe on you and he's ready to give you the kiss on the cheek and he's ready to throw a party for you. That is the kind of love that we're talking about. That is the kind of love that we are to display We love because he first loved us. With that kind of love, that he was willing to wait, that he was willing to wait that we would come to the end of ourselves and come back and say, I have sinned against you, Father, and I have sinned against God. What a display of love blows my mind because that's what he did for us. That's what he did for me. I ran my way for 40 years. I didn't accept Christ until I was 40. I was a complete jerk knucklehead until I was 40. And then God said, or I finally decided, you know, man, this ain't no way to live. And in the midst of that, I was tired of eating the pods of the pigs. I was tired of eating the dog food, the cat food. And I said, Lord, help me. That's the kind of love. That is how much God loves you. That is how much God cares for you. I think we're going to land the plane. Lord, as we come before you, Your love is indescribable. Cannot even fathom it, Lord. The the intensity, the, the genuineness of it, Lord. The fact that you would send your son to die on a cross, to pay a price that I could never pay, Lord. A wretched sinner, Lord. You did that for each and every one of us, Lord. If, if, 
I was the only one you would do it. If anyone in this room was the only person, you would have still done it because that's how much you loved us. That's how much you still love us. Your love never changes. Your love never fails, the scriptures tell us. I'm so grateful for that, Lord. Lord, I just want to ask if online, maybe you hear this later, even in the audience tonight, if you don't have the love of God in you, today is the day. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that you receive the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to walk in the love of the Lord. We cannot do it on our own power, Lord. We cannot. Our heart is deceitfully wicked, and who can know it? But you. Change our heart, Lord. Instill in us, Lord, the love of the Most High God, the creator of the universe, the lover of my soul, For those that have considered this, it's really simple, Lord Jesus. I recognize my need for you. Come into my life, Lord. Cleanse me from the inside. Make me a new creation, Lord. I love you because you first loved me. In Jesus' name. God bless you guys. And maybe if you prayed that prayer, we'll have prayer up front, online. Uh, Give us a call at the church office or reach out to a church in your neighborhood and uh, continue the walk with the Lord. His, His love is faithful. His love is continual. He never stops loving you and he'll never leave you or forsake you. Give it to you in Jesus' name. Amen.